0: no thanks joyce better open the doors it's just on two the branch closed for lunch there wasn't enough custom to warrant its staying open joyce unlocked the heavy oak outer door and the inner glass door turned the sign which said till closed to the other side which said miss j m culver and went back to Allen. from his office with the door ajar you could see anyone who came in Joyce had very long legs, and a very large bust, but otherwise was nothing special to look at. She perched on the edge of the desk, and began telling Alan about the lunch she had just had with her boyfriend in the children arms, and what the boyfriend had said, and about not having enough money to get married on. "'We should have to go in with Mum, and it's not right, is it, two women in a kitchen? Their ways aren't our ways. You can't get away from the generation gap.' "'How old were you when you got married, Mr. Groombridge?' He would have liked to say twenty-two, or even twenty-four, but he couldn't, because she knew Christopher was grown up, and God knew he didn't want to make himself out older than he was. He told the truth with shame. Eighteen. Now, I think that's too young for a man. It's one thing for a girl, but the man ought to be older. There are responsibilities to be faced up to in marriage. A man isn't mature at eighteen. Most men are never mature. You know what I mean said Joyce. The outer door opened, and she left him to his thoughts and the letter from Mrs. Marjorie Perkins, asking for a hundred pounds to be transferred from her deposit to her current account. Joyce knew everyone who banked with them by his or her name. She chatted pleasantly with Mr. Butler, and then with Mrs. Surridge. Alan opened the drawer and looked at the three thousand pounds. He could easily live for a year on that— he could have a room of his own, and make friends of his own, and buy books and records, and go to theatres, and eat when he liked, and stay up all night if he wanted to—for a year. And then? When he could hear Joyce talking to Mr. Walford, the children butcher, about inflation, and how he must notice the difference from when he was young—he was about thirty-five—he took the money into the little room between his office and the back door, where the safe was. Both combinations The one he ought to know, and the one he oughtn't, were in his head. He spun the dials, and the door opened, and he put the money away, along with the other three thousand, the rest being in the tills. There came to him, as always, a sense of loss. He couldn't have the money, of course, it would never be his, but he felt bereft when it was once again out of his hands. He was like a lover whose girl has gone from his arms to her own bed— Presently Pam phoned. She always did, about this time, to ask him what time he would be home—he was invariably home at the same time—to collect the groceries or Jillian from school. Joyce thought it was lovely, his wife phoning him every day, after all these years. A few more people came into the bank. Alan went out there and turned the sign over the other till to Mr. A.J. Groombridge. "'and took a cheque from someone he vaguely recognised "'called, according to the cheque, P. Richardson. "'How would you like the money?' Five green ones and three portraits of the Duke of Wellington,' "'said P. Richardson, a wag.' "'Allen smiled as he was expected to. "'He would have liked to hit him over the head with the calculating machine, "'and now he remembered that last time P. Richardson had been in "'he had replied to that question by asking for Deutschmarks.' No more shopkeepers today; They had all banked their takings and gone home. Joyce closed the doors at three-thirty, and the two of them balanced their tills and put the money back in the safe, and did all the other small, meticulous tasks necessary for the honour and repute of the second-smallest branch of the Anglian Victoria in the British Isles. Joyce and he hung their coats in the cupboard in his office. Joyce put hers on, and he put his on, and Joyce put on more mascara, the only make-up she ever wore. The evenings are drawing out," said Joyce. He parked his car in a sort of courtyard surrounded by Suffolk flint walls at the bank's rear. It was a pretty place, with winter jasmine showing in great blazes of yellow over the top of the walls, and the bank was pretty too, being housed in a slicked-up, L-shaped Tudor cottage. His car was not particularly pretty, since it was a G-registration Morris 1100 with a broken wing-mirror he couldn't afford to replace. He lived three miles away on a ten-year-old estate of houses and the drive down country lanes took him only a few minutes.